Well, hello everyone. Uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, welcome wherever you are listening in from. Uh, today it is episode two of our three big questions class series for 2020. And um, this is a series in which we look at some of the common and sometimes challenging questions that we might face as Christians. And we try to provide us with something to say in response to those questions. Not necessarily complete answers, not complete solutions to the problems that these questions might be talking about, but the aim is really to give us something to say, a response to make, so that we can be to some extent prepared and maybe slightly more uh, excited about uh, some of the opportunities we might have when people uh, bring questions or put questions to us um, in our lives. So uh, this is episode two. Fabian has done a great class on science and religion. Um, and obviously that's a very common thing that is mentioned. So definitely check that out. Uh, today we're talking about something slightly different. So uh, I thought that I'm going to start by sharing an example of the kind of question we're looking at today. Um, today we're not really looking at one specific question, we're looking at one specific category of question uh, which comes up. And so I'm going to give an example um, to illustrate. So uh, I uh, did a maths degree in Bristol and I uh, got to know a guy on my course uh, fairly well in the, sec in, the, in the last year of my degree. Uh, we had a good working mathematical relationship, uh, the best kind of relationship, of course. And, um, you know, we used to grapple with all these, these, these problems together and, and try and convince each other of ways to understand things and, and, and so on. And after exams, we were at a social event together and um, I was having a discussion with someone who knew some of my CU friends. And it was on this occasion that my mathematical friend uh, realised that I was a Christian. And he wasted no time in jumping straight in. And uh, he asked me, what do you think about marriage? What do you think about marriage? And isn't it, you know, it's a Christian institution in this country, which is old fashioned and backwards and misogynistic. You know, the idea of a woman being given away from her or by her father to her husband to be, you know, that's just, that's just not right, you know, it's, it's, it's unequal um, and, and sexist and, and so on. And, you know, I was kind of fl obviously floored by this, wasn't expecting that. And uh, I think in that moment, I felt rather awkward, like I didn't, I had some thoughts, but, but I didn't have them well ordered. I was pretty surprised and, uh, you know, I felt like I, I, had things to say but I didn't know how to say it and 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 anyway it, the conversation didn't really get to run, run its course which might have been a good thing but you know sometimes I can sometimes I can enjoy those conversations if I feel well equipped to deal with those questions so really the goal today is to give us really one main point to equip us for questions of this form um, and so what form is that well this is a kind of general question that we're looking at today. So how can you think that in this day and age? So I've kept this general so that the that 
here could be a whole host of different things. Um, but I think really this is something that we need to be aware of and be um, prepared for. Uh, we live in a society that is more and more focused on being progressive, on being politically correct, being completely um, equal, erasing all forms of inequality. Um, and a lot of this is really good, of course. Um, but I think people will maybe increasingly view Christianity as, as being behind these times as being old-fashioned and backwards and whatever so i think a lot of the views that people associate with christianity people will also think of in this way so i don't think it's wholly unlikely that we will face these kind of sentiments in our christian lives but i think that it's quite exciting because really i don't think we need to so much try to convince people that they are wrong and we are right but I think in some ways as we'll see we can draw alongside people um, and that's really going to relate to my main point um, so we're going to look at two things the main point that I just mentioned is going to be um, what do we say so uh, my first point is really going to be something we can offer in response to this kind of question uh, and then uh, for a secondary point we're going to just think about ways that we should be or a, a way we should be uh, when responding to these questions because they can often lead to discussions uh, and debates and, and maybe even arguments um, and I think it's there's, there's something we can learn from, from the character of Jesus that's helpful to bear in mind um, but yeah so really my first point which is going to be what can we say I think it's going to help us to actually see that we can draw alongside people perhaps more than they think um, so without further ado, let's get into that point. And so the title of this point is Jesus was progressive. Now, what do we mean by progressive? Well, uh, when I googled uh, a definition of this, a common a couple of words that came up were social reform. So someone who is progressive is someone who is looking for or pursuing social reform. And uh, I think that, as we'll see, Jesus certainly fitted this bill in many senses. Um, in fact, you know, really, he was a lot more than just progressive. He did a lot more than just challenge a few societal norms. But I certainly think that he does fit this definition and it's actually something that people might not necessarily think. So uh, that's why it's going to be something that I will offer as a response to these questions. So we're gonna look at three main examples from the Gospels of Jesus, uh, interactions he had with people, um, where I think we see this side to him come out. Um, so the first one, uh, most of them are pretty well known. Uh, this, this is very well known, Jesus uh, with the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, in John chapter 4 uh, and the reason I really love this passage in this context is that there are two things that Jesus challenged here uh, and they're highlighted there you know the fact that this person that he met was a Samaritan whereas Jesus was a Jew and the fact that she was a woman and he was a man and specifically a Jewish teacher or, or a rabbi 
Um, so firstly, on the Jew Samaritan uh, issue, uh, these two peoples really hated each other in Jesus's time. Uh, they discriminated against each other and um, it was a really deep rooted thing. Um, I did a little bit of reading around the history of, of why this happened. Uh, I think it was around uh, issues relating to, to uh, the region of Samaria was conquered before the rest of uh, the Jewish kingdom in the south um, by the Assyrians. And then uh, with all the displacement of people that went on into marrying uh, happened between the Samaria, uh, Samaritans and uh, foreign peoples, which I think the Jews viewed as being sort of impure. Um, and then uh, years later, the Jews were carried off to Babylon in exile. Uh, then they, when they eventually returned, I think the Samaritans offered to, or because a lot of the Samaritans, you know, then sort of lived in this slightly more diverse society, and were then uh, offered to help the Jews rebuild the temple, uh, and the Jews probably refused. Um, and then, you know, the Samaritans, I think, ended up building their own rival temple, and there was sort of vandalism each way around, and, and all sorts of things. Uh, so I think if we think of if issues more recently, like uh, the troubles in Ireland, for example or maybe Muslims and Serbs in uh, Bosnia, or um, perhaps the issues of, you know, the different uh, types uh, of Muslim faith in the Middle East. You know, I know the Kurds, uh, the Kurdish people have a really uh, awful time being discriminated against by everyone around them. And, you know, I think we, it's, it's very easy to see the kind of awful things that can happen as a result of these kind of rifts but i think they are similar really in nature the sort of political religious issues and divisions in society can be really deep and the samaritans and jews were certainly like this so um yeah for jesus to not shy away from uh, or, or or shun a samaritan person is quite striking and then the fact that this person was a woman was even more um amazing because uh, in Jesus' time, it was common for for strict rabbis to just simply not greet women in public. Um, on his uh, in his commentary on this passage, uh, William Barclay says talks about these bruised and bleeding Pharisees, uh, as they were apparently known, who would shut their eyes the second they saw a woman in the streets, uh, and so would crash into things. and And I, they probably viewed that as a as a very kind of maybe righteous attitude to have so so rabbis and strict jewish teachers um, wouldn't even greet women in public um so to see jesus um approaching this woman um and showing her the compassion that he shows her in this passage i just think is such a wonderful example uh, and really in this passage jesus is is challenging two deep-rooted societal norms but in the way that he is but it's almost as if he just doesn't seem to care about them, which I just love. He just views this woman as, as a person. He talks to her about her life and, um, and you know, ultimately brings salvation, which is just wonderful. Um, so that's our first example of Jesus being progressive. The second one, again, is, is in some way similar. It's a well-known story. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan um, in Luke chapter 10. Now, we've already spoken about the Jew-Samaritan rift, so I'm not really going to focus on that here. Um, I think what is interesting um, 
is really the interaction that Jesus had with a teacher in the law that led him to tell this parable. Uh, now, uh, this point that I'm going to share is, is was really from uh, an episode of the Bible Project podcast on the parables. Um, so do check that out if uh, for sort of further reading, so to speak. But but basically, um, this is what we're going to focus on. So so uh, just before this part of the passage, uh, a teacher of the law has come to Jesus and said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Uh, Jesus replies. Uh, what is written in the law and how do you read it? Uh, and the guy replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength uh, and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And I think it's worth noting that this guy clearly has a very good understanding of of the Old Testament really. To, to I certainly don't think I could have gained that insight from the 600 and whatever commands in the Old Testament to sort of summarise them into that. I don't think that's entirely trivial. So, uh, so yeah. But but then this is this uh, phrase or verse on screen is is where we're going to focus. Um, it's interesting that the guy said that 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 uh, that Luke says this guy wanted to justify himself, uh, and so he asked Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" So I think when we think about what's going on in this guy's head, it, that makes him ask this. I think you know it's very possible this guy had some prejudices going on you know and i think you know jesus maybe thought they were around due to the jew samaritan issue as one uh, because he addresses that in the parable as we know um, but it's interesting because then jesus launches into the parable which we 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 all know well a uh, man gets robbed uh, left half dead at the side of the road and a levite and a priest walk by on the other side and ignore him uh, their levite and the priest being two uh, respected members of jewish society and then a samaritan is passing and has compassion on this man and looks after him um, and uh, he uh, you know helps this guy recover and at the end of telling the story jesus says to this guy again he says which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man jesus told him go and do likewise uh, that comes a bit later on um so I think what's interesting here is Jesus has really answered the question of who's who's this guy's neighbour because the man who was robbed, we know nothing about him in terms of his background or uh, his tribe or his role in society. We're just told he's just a man who gets attacked, whereas the other characters are more notable because they have labels attached to them. Um, so I think it's interesting that um, there's nothing about this guy. So Jesus is applying, implying that you know everyone is your neighbour. Um, fairly clearly, I would I would say. But it's it's almost like Jesus doesn't stop there, really, uh, because he says to this guy, "Who was a neighbour? Which of the three was a neighbour to the man?" Whereas he's been asked, "Who is my neighbour?" So you could say, "Well, the man lying at the side of the road is your neighbour, and we don't know anything about him, so he's so everyone's your neighbour." But Jesus is saying, who's a neighbour to the man? It's interesting. He's flipped the question on its head. And so the guy replies, um, you know, the one who had mercy on him, i.e. the Samaritan. It's funny, in, in the podcast, uh, they talk about the fact that, you know, this guy almost can't even bring himself to say some, the Samaritan. Um, he just says the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. 
So you could almost, it almost seems like Jesus is saying, go and be like a Samaritan to someone who maybe hates Samaritan and thinks that they're terrible people. Um, so I think Jesus uh, is interesting here because he goes beyond the question that he's asked to challenge those prejudices that existed in his listeners. Um, and, and again, I think that's just a very clear indicator of Jesus being progressive. So the third example we're going to look at is uh, Jesus healing the man with leprosy uh, in Matthew chapter 8 and also in uh, John, uh, sorry, uh, Luke and Mark as well. Um, so uh, this um, passage is quite short. Um, a large crowd following Jesus. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So uh, I'm sure uh, many of us are aware of the fact that in Jesus' society, leprosy as a disease carried a massive stigma. It still carries a bit of a stigma today, actually, um, but in Jesus's time, if you had leprosy, you were completely ostracized. You had to live uh, on your own or with other lepers and people would steer clear from you. Essentially, there was a sort of uh, permanent social distancing that went on. You know, I heard I seem to read about some, uh, you know, discussion of regulations for how far away you should be from lepers to be holy and righteous and all sorts of crazy things but but the main point is they really were ostracized and uh, as close to being subhuman as was possible uh, in society's eyes at the time uh, they had no dignity and were just completely untouchable and um, the simple point that i just love about this passage is the way it says that jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and that detail is in all three accounts of um, this incident. And uh, I just think how powerful that would have been for the people at the time to see, you know, a teacher, a Jewish teacher and leader touching a leper uh, firstly, but and of course healing them as well is, is amazing. And um, it's interesting because the laws... Um, I believe there are actually laws in the Old Testament which specifically forbid, um, you know, like touching people with leprosy. Um, and so at first glance, people might say, well, Jesus is, you know, breaking the laws of his, of his people. But actually, it's just the thing that's amazing is by touching this guy, and healing him this jesus is restoring his dignity he is uh showing that this man is a human created in god's image as we all are um and really you know i read on one commentary of this that jesus was really fulfilling the purpose of the law by by giving this man his dignity and healing him and restoring him so i think um this is just a wonderful passage of showing how jesus and I, I think it's common to all the ones we've looked at that Jesus saw people as people. He didn't see them as Samaritans or lepers or women or, or whatever. 
but he saw them as people and he saw everyone's need for uh, reconciliation with God, with healing, um, for healing, sorry. Uh, so uh, I think these three examples really show how Jesus was progressive. Uh, and then just to wrap up um, for a bit of further reading, um, there's a few other examples in the Gospels that I thought of that might be helpful. The, the sick woman who uh, was bleeding for, for many years and was seen as unclean. And Zacchaeus, who was viewed as a sinner and you know a nasty member of society. Um, and then Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew about uh, well, the Great Commission, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, really just breaking down that sort of nationalistic barrier maybe that some uh, Israelites might have uh, had and then uh, there's a few Old Testament examples there which uh, you can uh, go and read if you are interested um, but really these three examples that we've looked at are the main three uh, that I hope uh, have showed us ways in which Jesus really was progressive uh, and I think the wonderful thing about this is a response to the question is that it on the one hand challenges hopefully challenges people's perceptions of Jesus but also it sort of draws alongside people because I think you know as as disciples we're trying to uh, follow Jesus's example uh, and you know follow his example in terms of being progressive and the reasons why Jesus was and I think doing that in our culture and society today and holding to God's teaching is a very difficult thing um, but I think the main point for answering this question is just that Jesus was progressive and I think these examples can um, be something that we can bear in mind for um, you know supporting this point so for our second point we are going to be thinking about a way to be uh, rather than a response we can actually give we're going to look at part of Jesus's character and his nature uh, which I think can be helpful as a background for a way for us to try and be when in these conversations with people um, and that is uh, full of grace and truth now um, we're going to start just right at the beginning of John's gospel um, when he's describing Jesus uh, in verse 14, chapter 1, he, he says, um, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I think um, in many parts of our Christian lives, uh, trying to be full of grace and truth um, encompasses a whole load of challenges and, and it's very difficult balance to get right we're all different and uh, I've heard sermons about you know the spectrum of grace and truth and where do we fall are we too graceful but we shy away from the truth or are we uh, too you know um, blunt in our sharing of the truth can we be more graceful when we do that you know we all um, in some way uh, will fall on that spectrum and I love the way it describes Jesus here as being full of both grace and truth. There's a balance there. Um, so I thought we would just take a little look at um, a verse or a passage in John's Gospel, in John chapter 8, 
um, where we hear about the woman caught in adultery. Um, now, before we dive in, there is a brief caveat to mention, which is that, as you'll see in many Bibles, there's a little note saying that some early manuscripts uh, don't have this passage. Uh, so that's always worth just bearing in mind when we're talking about it. Um, but nonetheless, I think um, it gives us a wonderful uh, insight and a clear example of the way that I think Jesus most definitely was, uh, and that being full of grace and truth. But I think it's particularly clear in this passage. So um, it starts out with Jesus being uh, heading to the temple courts uh, and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees basically bring this woman in, hoping to trap Jesus because they know that the law of Moses commands, um, you know, this sin to be punished by stoning. And um, but they know that Jesus has been teaching about, you know, grace and mercy, forgiveness of sins and all this kind of thing. So they're hoping to basically trap him and make him, I guess, look silly. Uh, in some ways not a million miles from situations we might find ourselves in with particularly maybe aggressive questioners uh, trying to uh, pin us in a corner um, and his response is interesting he um, he says when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them so it's almost like he's he's almost seems like he might not even be that interested but he straightens up and says to them if any one of you is without sin let him be the first to throw a stone at her and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then eventually, you know, the Pharisees realise they, they can't claim to be entirely without sin. And they all sort of skulk off. Um, and then Jesus straightens up and says to the woman, has no one condemned you? And she says, no. And he says, um, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. And I think this response is just so amazing because it, just contains that balance of grace and truth um jesus this woman was probably well, she might have thought she was about to die you know she um would have been just completely in in a in a, in a horrible way and uh and jesus shows her such amazing grace when he says neither do i condemn you you know jesus in fact had the right to con condemn people for their sin he he could do that he could have thrown the stone because he was without sin but he shows her this amazing grace um but then straight away that's balanced by him being very direct and challenging her to go and leave her life of sin he doesn't condone what she's done he doesn't brush it under the carpet and pretend it hasn't happened he's very clear but he has this wonderful balance which i think is uh, something for us to really try and and follow as an example and then secondly i just thought i'd share this scripture um, to wrap up this point um, this is from 2 timothy uh, chapter 2 i always remember it because if you go 2 timothy 2 22 with all the twos you'll you'll get to the right place um it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, I love this verse particularly because it resonates with me personally as um, 
this idea of gently instructing really really uh, strikes me as 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 I've mentioned I can enjoy a debate and and having that goal of trying to gently instruct is, is I think really helpful and contains that that same kind of balance but I think we can see this kind of idea of grace and truth both being sort of weaved through this verse um, you know we being kind to everyone being not resentful um, both things which I think can be outflowings of, of trying to be graceful in the way that God's been graceful to us um, but all the while having this goal that people would come to a knowledge of the truth um, so I think that's another helpful verse to have um, in the back of our minds in these kind of conversations that come up because I think um, you know we don't want to just you know end up arguing with people um, about the, these kind of issues we don't want to just um, we don't want to end up in, in interactions where no one comes away feeling good or feeling like it was constructive um, I was speaking to Malcolm about this before I put this class together and he was talking about how there is a right way and a wrong way to argue and I think um, that if we try and be full of grace and truth in these interactions that we have and when they come up if we think of, of this balance I think it will help us to um, to argue in the right way and in a way that hopefully helps people um, so that you know God will um, grant them a repentance that leads to a knowledge of the truth you know I love that idea of God being there working it's not just about us trying to win the argument and then people be like oh right you've convinced me great you know I've changed everything but um, I think there's actually evidence to suggest that when you hear oh, sorry I think there have been studies that show that when you hear evidence that contradicts a point of view that you have you're actually more likely to become more entrenched in that point of view than to change which I just think is just fascinating and it just shows the way that I think we naturally are as people so um so I hope that's a helpful point to have in the back of our mind as a way that we can be in these interactions so we are coming into land uh, today we've been thinking about questions of the form how can you think that in this day and age um, we've uh, really focused on Jesus um, and I think uh, it's worth just reflecting upon that uh, you know that first we looked at Jesus and how he was progressive and how that's something that we can actually offer as a response to people when they challenge Christianity for not being progressive and for being old-fashioned or and, and any question that fits into that bracket you know we can make this point that Jesus was progressive and uh, we saw these three examples which I think um, and I hope you agree show the way that Jesus was uh, and then we looked at the way that he was um, with that woman caught in adultery and and we looked at that verse in Timothy and talked about the balance of of grace and truth and that uh, when we end up in these conversations that's a really great thing to have in our mind to try and follow to try and be full of grace and truth like Jesus was because that's a way that he was with people um, in his interactions with them um, and so just to end I'd like to share this verse from Galatians 3 um, verse 28 
and it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think this is just a perfect verse to end on because it reminds us that uh, the ultimate issue is um, for all of us is to have a relationship with Jesus and whether we choose that for ourselves or not. And um, and in all these conversations and, the, and these questions when they arise, I think it's good to just remember that that's, as Christians, that's what we want for, for everyone. Um, you know, we don't want to win an argument to make people think, oh, maybe you're right about this specific issue. But this is really the ultimate issue that's at hand. And I think that's what Paul was uh, trying to maybe get at here. It's just that um, in Jesus, there are all these other uh, boundaries and uh, whatever it is, ethnicities, social status, all these things just fade away uh, when we know Jesus. They all are secondary to that, to knowing him. And I think that's a lovely point to just end on and just to uh, reflect on as well. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you feel slightly better equipped for questions of this type. Um, I think it's exciting to think of, um, you know, the way that society is looking to be progressive and the way that in, I think in many ways, in more ways than certainly I first thought, this actually, I think, gives us an opportunity to show people that Jesus was progressive to draw alongside and to hopefully um, to learn from the way that he was and uh, to help people maybe see that point as a response to these questions. So thank you very much for listening and take care wherever you are.